You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Top of the morning, afternoon, and evening to you all. Fabulous of you to rejoin me here at the Attaboy Claptrap podcast. I'm sorry it took so long to return. It's the school holidays, you see. My children are like a tag team when it comes to noise. It's like they each take a watch, and as soon as one gets tired, they tag another one in who's been resting up just so that they can yak about Zelda or Minecraft or unicorns blobfish absolutely true by the way and i know what you're thinking why don't i tie them up and gag them and put them in a cupboard well they chew through the gags that's why and i use the only available cupboard anyway they're all back at school now so normal service is resumed very urgent i have a thing to promote rather vigorously this week some time ago I was contacted by a very nice chap named Dominic DeLarge, who was in the throes of making a radio program for the BBC all about old-time radio. Well, with a song in his heart, Mr. DeLarge flew back into my life this week to tell me that the program, entitled The Golden Age of American Radio, goes out on the air this week, September 23rd, to be exact, on BBC Radio 4 Extra. It'll be on at 9 30 a.m. and then repeated at 7 p.m. on the same station. Here is a trailer, goddammit. Next weekend, Hello, New York. Hello, New York. let's turn the dial back we are bringing you an eyewitness account of to a time when radio was king. Adjust your dials most carefully, citizens. I'll never speak to you again. Yes, yes, what do you want? That's the first time you've smiled in four weeks. <laughs> Join me, Toby Haydock, for a three-hour celebration of the golden age of American radio. I want with help from some of Hollywood's finest. Starring Vincent Price. Joan Crawford. Is that correct? Of course that's correct. The Golden Age of American Radio. Next Saturday morning at 9 and again in the evening at 7 on BBC Radio 4 Extra. Remember that. I beg your pardon, sir? I said remember that. Stay on the line. And for the sake of completion, here is another trailer for the love of Pete. From Vincent Price. Someone is having target practice with us for targets. To Joan Crawford. Maybe they scream because they remember things. But I remember things too. Via quick-fire comedy. Don't put my gloves in that drawer. Cold War paranoia. Why are you shaking? What did you see? And plenty of suspense and thrills along the way. They're going to kill him tonight at 12 o'clock. Then I guess he'll have to die again. Join me, Toby Haydock, for a three-hour celebration of the time when radio was king. Make it reappear, honey. The Golden Age of American Radio, next Saturday morning at 9 and again in the evening at 7 on BBC Radio 4 Extra. (laughs) Imagine. As you can hear from those, it looks set to be quite the entertainment extravaganza. So make sure you tune in if you can. For those of you not in the UK, you may have to get creative with TuneIn Radio or iPlayer or something. But if the dazzling world of old-time radio is of interest to you, then you must simply find a way. And now here's something of interest to everybody. Bit rude. For breathless moments. For your breathless moments. Chew dentine. The gum with. Hello? Breathtaking flavor. Oh, I see, yes, very clever. Dentine tastes so good. Dentine freshens your breath. Dentine helps keep your teeth sparkling clean and white. Dentine, the gum with... (gasps) It sounds like she's just remembered she's left the gas on at home. Breathtaking flavor. Before you go out and always after eating, drinking, smoking, refresh your breath with dentine. You'll enjoy refreshing your breath when you chew dentine. So, for breathless moments, for your breathless moments... Chew dentine. The gum with... (gasps) She's holding her breath for an awfully long time this time. Okay, she's started turning purple now. You know, you should really exhale 
Oil burst. Sometimes I wonder why I spend a lonely night dreaming of a song. The melody haunts my reverie, and I am once again with you when our love was new. And each kiss and inspiration. Oh, but that was long ago. Now my consolation is in the stardust of the sun. Beside a garden wall, when stars are bright, you are in my arms. The night. Tells his fairy tale of paradise where roses grew. Though I dream in vain, in my heart it will remain my stardust melody, the memory of love's refrain. Stardust melody, the memory of love's refrain. Marvelous, Mr. Hoagie Carmichael with Stardust. You gorgeous, gorgeous song, you. Well, having been away for what seems like decades, the old thank you section has been backing the hell up. So let's drop the needle on some T.J. Hooker goodness. My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. And I assure you, I thank you. The first thank you I need to commit to audio is to the Pod Pals, the ragtag band of podcasting mercenaries. That I've grown up with over the years, many of whom converged on my very house just two weeks ago for food and beers. Tom and Ant from the Anywhere But Here podcast, for heaven's sake, superstars. The godfathers of British podcasting, they have a combined age of like 50 or something. Great lads, I love you both. Then there was Smokey from Rated H, who arrived fashionably late and wore a fashionable Iron Maiden t-shirt and who drank fashionable beer all day. God bless the poor boy, he had to travel home on a train the next day for something like 20 hours. Still, it was the biggest thrill of his life to sit in the garden and then sit in my house and then stay in a travel lodge, so the honour was all his. Big kiss to you, Smokes. Finally, there was Scott and Charlie from the stinking pause. He took valuable time out from their usual routine of watching arty films at the BFI to come to my place and play Cards Against Humanity. Seriously, if you think they're lovable on the stinking pause, then just wait till you meet them. Charlie gives off this strange pheromone that makes you want to put your arms around him. And Scott, he's so adorable that I'm actually convinced his dad had an affair with a Care Bear. Anyway, it was a fabulous day, and it will be repeated, and I love you all, and here is a machine gun Canterbury that should hit all of you. The next thank you goes to the marvellous JC and Cindy over at the Fix It Home Improvement podcast, who yet again gave a shout-out to Attaboy Clarence and the Secret History of Hollywood. God bless you and your home improvement empire. As a reward, Smokey from Rated H will bestow upon you a Canterbury using the voice of Gollum. Canterbury? Don't ask, it seemed to be a running thing that went on throughout that day. Next thank you goes to the stupendous Talking About Turtle podcast, who very kindly asked me to be a part of their season finale, which was basically one of the most surreal pieces of metafiction ever devised. In this show, I play myself, and I'm a villain, 
and I will not tell you anything about it, but I do recommend you go on over to Talking About Turtle, which began life as an entourage podcast, but has since descended into a Twin Peaks-level slice of surreal wonder. Anyway, thank you for having me. Here's a Canterbury from Ant, from the Anywhere But Here podcast, who lays it to you using the voice of... Yes, it's Gollum again. It's hard to explain why people were doing Gollum impressions. There had been lots of drinking going on. Just go with it. The next thank you is for the awesome crew at SlashFilm.com. Yes, I was very honoured to be featured in their water cooler feature a few weeks back. Thank you, guys. And here is a good old-fashioned regular Wonka Bar Canterbury. Canterbury. Thank you to Jeffrey Michael Bayes, respected Hitchcock scholar and now author, who very kindly asked me to contribute a testimonial to his terrific new book, Suspense with a Camera, a filmmaking guide to Hitchcock's techniques, which is already out for you lucky folks in the US and which comes out over here in the UK on the 1st of October. I've read it and it is pretty spectacular, I have to say. If you flip open the front cover, you'll see a quote from me banging on about how wonderful old Jeffrey Michael Bayes is, but don't let that put you off. Jeffrey, have a very refined Canterbury from Scott from the Stinking Paws podcast. Thank you to the Shockwaves podcast, that famous, famous podcast. And in particular to Elric, who waxed very lyrical about how much he was loving the secret history of Hollywood the other day. To you all, have a very robust Canterbury from Tom from anywhere but here. Canterbury. Finally, to the perennially wonderful Miss Noya Chong-Wa, who after listening to The Black-Hearted, the newest edition of The Secret History of Hollywood, sent me a picture of herself in her Leopard Man dress, which is stylish to say the least. Noya, my dear, my warmest wishes to you, and not only do you get a Canterbury. Canterbury. You also get a Dine Dine Dinosaur, sir. A Dine 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 Dinosaur, sir. You get an arso. Arso. You get an and death. And death. Coriolanus. Coriolanus. Dramashag. Dramashag. Uh, you have a Gaylord. 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 I should say not. I should say not. You have failed, Monk. You have failed, Monk. And to finish, the rarest of all awards. Rarer than the Purple Heart. Rarer than a tactful remark from Donald Trump. Behold the starship Canterbury. <laughs> Talking of wonderful listeners, I had a message from Yvonne Harris who asks, Mr. Roach, we work diligently on finding the movies that you so meticulously and colourfully review. Then we have a movie night. Would you consider including a menu recommendation to go with the movie or at least a cocktail? Absolutely, I will do that. In fact, let me tell you about a movie right now. 1950s House by the River, directed by Fritz Lang, in fact. This is one of those films that really doesn't mess around too much. Five minutes in and bang, you are watching a murder and its terrible aftermath. And how lovely to see a film noir set at the turn of the century. And also, how lovely to see Jane Wyatt just existing on screen being the vision of perfection. Probably should just say things like that in my head. Yeah, so the story here is of two brothers, Stephen and John Byrne, played by Lewis Hayward and Lee Bowman, respectively. John is the dependable ex-soldier of the two, and Stephen is the less dependable drunk writer who's married to Jane Wyatt of the two. Stephen is also the employer of the very comely maid of the two, and one evening, when he's had a few too many shandies, he decides to try and put his hand up her shirt, because that's the kind of thing that Stephen the arrogant drunk scoundrel does when he's had too many shandies. Anyway, the maid, whose name is Emily, decides to scream the daylights out of the place, which forces Stephen to do that thing, you know, when he kind of covers her mouth with his hand, but he's a little bit too rough. And while he's peering off into the distance to see if anyone has heard the screams, he accidentally throttles her to death by accident. Now, I'm not saying that's implausible. I'm just saying that it's completely and ridiculously implausible. 
So now Stephen has a dead maid on the stairs and presumably some form of hangover and wouldn't you just know it? That's the precise moment that Brother John decides to visit. Get ready for another implausible moment. When Brother John does that other wonderful old movie thing, he walks into the hall where the dead maid lays and stands about three feet from the body holding a perfectly normal conversation with his clearly panicked brother, never once remarking on the brother's messed up hair or sweaty face or look of horror or corpse on the floor. Hello, Stephen. The front door. But then magically he shifts his gaze precisely two degrees to the right and happens to notice the great big corpse on the floor. Only then does he remark on the oddness of the scene. Have you sent for a doctor? No, there's nothing anybody can do. She fell down the stairs. She hit her head. They'll blame me. Well, why should anybody blame you? Anyway, on with the story. By telling Brother John a pack of lies, Stephen manages to inveigle him into helping to dispose of the maid's body. They do this by putting her in a sack and dumping her in the river behind the house. It looks as though they'll get away with it too, except that the maid's body doesn't feel like sinking and keeps resurfacing from time to time. Let me just quickly state that I really liked this film. It's very much in the vein of The Woman in the Window, another Fritz Lang film where a murder has to be covered up. This isn't as elegant as that film, and it is lacking in the nail-biting suspense department, but it is still a very enjoyable movie. I like the angles it chooses to exploit too. First, Marjorie, played by Jane Wyatt, is Stephen's wife and she is absolutely sick of being married to him. Not surprising though, considering he's a solid gold idiot. She's slowly drawn to Brother John and so despite them both, Stephen sees an opportunity to frame John for the murder when it's in danger of being exposed. That angle is great. Also, I love the fact that Fritz Lang explores the effect of the murder on the town itself. He shows this gradual blackening of the townsfolk's attitudes towards the brothers when they suspect that foul play must have been involved. The whole place becomes a rumor mill and almost implodes as neighbor turns upon neighbor. I really like that angle too. Ever since the inquest, my mail consists chiefly of anonymous letters, not too flattering suggestions. Most of my clients are closing out their accounts. John, maybe it wasn't wise, refusing to see people and not going anyplace. But you still have friends in this town. Let me give a party. We'll ask everyone you like, our real friends. We'll show this town. Wouldn't do any good. This town likes its nasty little backstairs gossip. I do get the feeling that the reins were slipping slightly from Fritz Lang's hands towards the end of the film, though. He almost seems as though he doesn't know how to end it. As the plot plays out, you're led to believe that the police investigator may have his suspicions about what really happened to the maid. But that thread kind of leads to nothing. Also, the ending, I have to say, is a massive, massive disappointment. I mean, everyone kind of gets what they deserve. But it's all done in a rather slapdash way. I wasn't really satisfied. Still, I have to recommend it, because despite its flaws, I was absolutely hooked. I think the main reason is because it is such a disorientating blend of small-town drama and hammy acting and gothic period noir and Jane Wyatt. Stop it, Adam. So the all-important question now is which food would I recommend you eat while you watch this film? Well, obviously, something homemade... Perhaps some Wyatt chocolate cheesecake? How about some potato fritzers? Potato fritters? No. No, 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 don't bedumps that one. That, that was quite embarrassing. The other two were gold, obviously, but not potato fritzers. Fritz crackers, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I totally rescued that one. Music now. Relax back into that very stylish wicker chair of yours. Kick off those beautiful leather sandals and luxuriate in a good strong dose of cold porter. Something to me. Something that simply mystifies me. Do, do, do. 
Well, before I move on to another movie, it's my honor to let you know about the upcoming issue of the marvelous Dark Pages magazine, which has just been released. As you already know, the Dark Pages is the best-loved film noir magazine around, and in this issue, you get a spotlight on three actors known for playing thugs, slugs, and lugs. Mike Mazurki, Marvin Miller, and Ted DeCorsia. I love Ted DeCorsia, such a great actor. You also find TCM picks for the month, including Point Blank and The Marvelous Detour from 1945. It is really a packed issue, and it's a must for all film noir fans. So if you'd like to grab a copy, then go to www.allthatnoir.com and sign yourselves up. Oh my good God, in order to review this next film, I will have to reintroduce you all to a very very old friend. Let me blow the old dust off her here. There we are, good as new. Ladies and gentlemen, let's all welcome back the sexist advertisement Clarkson. I have to adjust it slightly. Let me just twist this thing and poke this thing until it now sounds like... Because this is a film and it isn't an advertisement, but it is as sexist as f***. And so the old klaxons getting some long overdue use today. The film in question is 1939's Daytime Wife, starring Tyrone Power, Linda Darnell, and Warren William. Hello, Blanche. Oh, Hello, Jane. Congratulations. My, my, let me look at you. Married two whole years, and just as young and beautiful as the day Ken carried you down the dormitory ladder. Yes, young is the word. <clears throat> More on that later. So what you have here is the story of Ken and Jane, played by Tyrone Power and Linda Darnell, a pair of newlyweds about to celebrate their two-year anniversary when Jane suddenly tumbled to the fact that Ken is carrying on with his glamorous secretary. Oh, dear. Oh, there's not much sense in trying to fool you, Blanche. I know you just want to be helpful, but well, it's all such a mess. Here, here. Go ahead and have a good cry. It'll make you feel better. No, thanks. I had one and I feel worse. He confessed. No, but I found out. In order to balance the books, Jane takes a job as a secretary to serial philanderer Bernard Dexter, played by Warren William, who only employs pretty girls. You're Miss... Um... Miss Blake. Jane Blake. Did Mr. Crawford send you over? Yes, sir. For whom have you worked before? Well, I... I took a course in office management at school. Is that all? Yes. The work we do here requires an experienced secretary. I am afraid. Won't you sit down, Miss Blake? Thank you. And there is your setup. 
wife versus secretary. So wifey becomes a secretary to see how this abnormal breed of woman manages to snare the errant husband. As far as reviewing the actual movie goes, it's pretty standard fare, quite light on its feet, the usual glamorous settings, and all builds up to one of those trademark scruple endings. But my goodness, isn't it just one of the most sexist films ever? <laughs> Seriously, you could turn this film into a drinking game. Every time someone says something sexist, take a drink, you'll be fandangoed by the 20 minute mark. Crank up the klaxon! Because here come the clips. A woman can't hold her man, then it's her own fault. Oh, I'm a no-good so-and-so. Always forgetting birthdays and anniversaries. I don't know why you put up with a broken-down husband like me. Because you're the most wonderful man in the world. Oh, what a beautiful room. I use this place for my uh, creative work. <laughs> we can make all the noise we like. It's soundproof, fireproof, burglar-proof. And, uh, why? <laughs> I'm afraid I'll have to go right back to the office after dinner. Well, if you have to, you have to. I can always curl up with a good book. <laughs> That's the girl. Did you ever see such loveliness? That girl has more than one woman deserves. She's a little on the formal side and quite untutored. You can always tell a woman who hasn't known the right men. You're tired, Jane. Shopping was terrible. Just women, women, women. Yes, I can imagine. You just keep on saying no if you like. The yes will be all the more delightful when it comes. Dangerous but passable, eh? Oh, you'd like him, Blanche. Why, well, of course. He's a man. Your mouth is very pretty when it says no. Have you got a, uh, a friend you can bring? Well, I have a secretary. Swell, I've got one too, and you will. Oh, will you see her? Good morning, Jane. Good morning. Oh, I just saw Mrs. Dexter. Oh, did you? Did she see you? No. You get a buzz. Oh, I see. The wife keeps you pretty well in tow, eh? Well, I can't blame you for not wanting to. Oh, no. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Don't get the wrong idea. The little lady eats right out of my hand. It's only that I... I know how it is. My wife used to. Oh, no, no, it's not that way at all. I've got my wife very well trained. Well, I really can't see why you want to take me out to dinner. She's very, very pretty. Or uh, haven't you noticed? I had had 954 dinners with her already. Mrs. Dexter's a wonderful woman, but... Uh... You mean it gets to be sort of a routine? Hmm, possibly. After a while, a wife gets to be a sort of a solved crossword puzzle. Be all right if I bring the wife along, would it? Well, uh, let's not make it that kind of a party, eh? It's not that kind of a place. We can have fun. My, your desk is an awful mess. Are you sure you have a competent secretary, dear? Oh, yes. Oh, very competent, but there's just too much work for her to do. That pawn shop probably scatters those tickets all over the street just for gullible women like you to pick up. And while we're at it... How about some racism? All of this line sure is gonna get me in bed with Father Devine. This quick change business is getting me down. I don't know how actresses can do it. They usually taste a drink. Did you see Shuffle Along? I think so. Remember the big palm tree in the second act? Huh? That was my husband. <laughs> Even animals get their share of the abuse. What do you do when you don't want your new bottle of perfume? Why, you just tip it on the dog. It's just where it belongs. I don't blame you for not liking it. But what really sends the film over into creep-out territory is the fact that Linda Darnell is forced to spend the film romancing both Tyrone Power and Warren William, smooching them and running around in her lingerie. Tyrone Power was 25 when this film was made. Warren William was 45 when this film was made. Linda Darnell was 15 when this film was made. <laughs> Shut up! Look, I'll be honest, this is one of those films you have to kind of watch through your fingers because you can't quite believe how appallingly offensive it is. I mean, I haven't even mentioned the moment where Tyrone Power discovers that the fur he's brought home for his wife is a tatty old rabbit skin. So he just throws it at his black maid with an off-the-cuff comment about it being the kind of thing she would probably like. Dinner's ready. Thank you, Melbourne. Here, Merry Christmas. You can have it. No, thank you. I mean, it's just a forest fire of a film. It's built solely on the premise that women are merely sexual playthings for the dominant males. 
don't get me wrong, there are many films from the golden age that carry that message in their periphery, but I've never seen one with that slogan baked through quite so prominently. I mean, I'm a man, and I was embarrassed on behalf of my sex by the end. The main character gets clocked on the head by a shoe at the end of the film, and I almost cheered. That act of retribution is unfortunately followed by the heroine of the piece rushing to his aid and tending faithfully to his wound while he whines like a brat. Thing is, it's such a car crash that it does become perversely enjoyable as it goes on, not quite for the reasons intended by the writers, I'm sure. So while I do recommend that you watch Daytime Wife, you will have to watch it through your fingers and just despair. Okay, so which food would I recommend you eat while watching this? Well, obviously, salads and chocolate and tofu if you're a lady, and steaks, Doritos, and hot dogs if you're a man. All washed down by a nice scotch. <laughs> 15 years old. <laughs> Good God. Well, hang on to your hats, kids, because in 1946, the Hollywood Star Time show adapted Daytime Wife and brought back its star, Linda Darnell, who was by then a far more respectable 22 years old to reprise her role. Opposite her is John Payne, who you'll most likely know from Dodgeworth or Miracle on 34th Street. This version still retains some of those woeful attitudes, but I think by 1947 the world had moved on slightly, because this isn't quite as howling as the film. Check it out and I will see you in about half an hour. Hollywood Star Time. Each week at this time, Frigidaire brings you radio versions of Hollywood's finest motion pictures with Hollywood's greatest stars. Today, you will hear John Payne and Linda Darnell in the radio presentation of the sparkling 20th Century Fox comedy success, Daytime Wife. Linda Darnell is currently appearing on the screen with Alice Faye in the 20th Century Fox production of Fallen Angel. In just a few moments now, Daytime Wife with Linda Darnell and John Payne. You're twice as sure with two great names, Frigidaire and General Motors. Frigidaire, the greatest name in refrigeration, is made only by General Motors. And it is this association of experience with experience, of skill with skill, that makes Frigidaire America's favorite refrigerator today. The seven million Frigidaires built and sold are the best proof of Frigidaire's outstanding record of dependability, of lasting satisfaction. For back of every great refrigeration principle pioneered by Frigidaire, back of every exciting new Frigidaire feature, back of every exclusive Frigidaire advantage, is one all-important purpose, to keep food good to eat. Remember this when you choose your new refrigerator. Remember the record of millions of Frigidaires in millions of American kitchens. And remember, you're twice as sure with two great names. For Frigidaire is made only by General Motors. And our daytime wife, starring John Payne and Linda Darnell, with a musical score by Alfred Newman. It's breakfast time with the Kenneth Nortons in their New York apartment. And pretty young Jane Norton has an important bit of information to convey to her rising young husband, but she can't get a rise out of him. It's a matter which young wives are always bringing up delicately to their young husbands in stories like this. And it isn't what you think at all. Kenneth, dear... Did you happen to notice the date today? You know, honey, it says here in the paper that Chester Bowles is going to... Huh? The date. Well, 1946. It says on account of the housing situation, Chester Bowles is going to ask the president to what release... What day, 1946? Uh, um, Monday, January 13th. Why? Well, doesn't that date mean anything to you? No, it doesn't mean... Darling, gee, I'm glad you reminded me. 
I've got that appointment at four today about putting roofs on that big new housing project. Oh, Peachy. Yeah, the OPA can put ceilings on some things, but Kenneth Norton puts roofs on everything. Who can that be practically at dawn? Oh, that's Blanche Baker. She'll walk right in. Is Blanche Baker always here? Well, come around sometime, husband mine, and find out. Well, I've, I've been so busy, darling. You know, America stands critically in need of homes. Well, then why don't men who have homes stay in them? Huh? Oh, well, gee, I'll be late to the office. I'll see you later, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, so long, Jane. Well, I implore your pardon. I'm sorry, Blanche. I've got to be going. So long. So long. Do drop me a blank postcard. <laughs> Hi, Jane. Hello. Blanche. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Oh, he didn't even remember. I hate him like poison. Now, 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 let's not generalize. What kind of poison? <laughs> <laughs> Paris green, his favorite color. Oh. By the way, did you know this is my anniversary, too? Got my third divorce two years ago today. <laughs> Happy anniversary to us. Happy anniversary. Oh, Blanche. Hmm? Blanche, I I'm crazy about Ken, but I'm scared. Why? Because you forgot your second anniversary? Oh, because he... Well, I... I can't tell you. Oh, now, come on, honey, relax. I come to help you throw an anniversary party, and we're going through with it according to plan. Hey, look, I brought a quarter of a pound of butter. Well, however did you manage that? Well, you know that old sable coat I had? Well, it was this way. Well, that's Kenneth now. Now, don't spill a word. It's a surprise. Uh-huh. Hello? Oh. Uh, but tell Mr. Norton we're going to have people here. It's his what? Uh, tell him. May I speak to him, please? Oh, I see. Thank you for calling. He'll be home very late and hopelessly tied up. Oh, if only Houdini were alive. Oh, oh, if only I were dead, Blanche. Oh, now, honey, what kind of babble is this from the fountain of youth and beauty? But you don't know, Blanche. You don't understand. When, when Kenneth came home last night, he was positively reeking with perfume. Foolish night perfume. Oh, <laughs> with foolish night at 30 bucks an ounce, Ken's valuable in that condition. Oh, it's happened before, Blanche. It, it's that blonde secretary of his. He's out with her again tonight on our anniversary. Well, aren't you going to snatch your ball-headed? No. No, if a woman can't hold her man, it's her own fault. But I'm going to hold mine. Well, I wish I could teach you some good grips, but I lost three men. <laughs> I've got to find out what secretaries have that wives haven't got. Say, Blanche, what has a secretary got that a wife hasn't got? An employer, a boss, an executive wolf. Well, that's it. Well, I've got to get a job. I'm going to be a private secretary myself. <laughs> I'm Jane Blake, the girl the employment agency sent over. Mm hmm? Any office experience? Well, I, um... I had office management in school. Yeah, we've got a manager. Take shorthand? Uh, yes. Type? Yes. Oh, I don't know. No, we need experience help. Sorry. Well, you might at least look up from that trade magazine to tell me I won't do. It's simple courtesy. Hmm? Oh, oh, yes, of course. I'm sorry, Miss... Intelligent. Well, thanks. I'm able to do advanced problems with colored blocks now. <laughs> well, I, I dare say you've a right to be indignant. Uh, <laughs> can you start at one? Oh, hurry, Blanche, hurry. Will you get me out of my work clothes before Ken comes home? Oh, okay, but stop squirming, little Egypt. Oh, if Ken ever finds out that I work during the He'll day... He'll horse whip you and take your money away. <laughs> No, but... Say, uh, how's this Barney Dexter you're working for? Oh, very nice. Oh? Mm -hmm. What does he do? Well, he's an architect. He's in the housing and lumber business. Oh, a timber wolf. Oh, Blanche. Um, <laughs> uh, is he, uh, married? Well, for my purpose, he has to be. Say, do you happen to know any good used men at a price I can afford to pay? Stop squirming, I said. Uh, by the way, Miss Blake, uh, do you play backgammon? 
Why, yes, Mr. Dexter. Oh, splendid game. Uh, did you know that the Persian warriors always played backgammon after a hard day at the office? I mean the battlefield. Oh, what fun for the Persians. Yes. Uh, how about lunch together? I know a seafood place in Sheep's Head that's wonderful if you like seafood. Well, uh, what about your wife? Uh, she doesn't like seafood. <laughs> well, I like seafood. Yeah. Say, Jane, uh, were you home all day? Uh, uh, well, I've been making a study of backgammon. Why? Oh, then Wilson was wrong. He said he saw you leaving Sheep's Bed Hay this afternoon. I told you we didn't know anyone in Sheep's Bed. Of course we don't. Well, uh, how is that big deal coming along, Kenny? The roof's for the housing project. <laughs> oh, not so good. You know, that Barney Dexter's one hard nut to crack. But Barney Dexter? <laughs> yeah, he's an architect. You wouldn't know him. He's a swell fellow, but I can't make a deal with him. And I need it. I need it bad. Oh, you've been worrying, haven't you, dear? Yes, but I'll keep right on punching. Oh, you'll get the deal. Our motto, if Ken can't, who can't? We can't, honey. You and I. Us. Oh, thank you, Ken. I, I sort of needed that. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been kind of neglecting you lately. Oh, well, shucks, partner, that's... Well, you've been alone so many evenings and... <laughs> Do you really care, Ken? Do I care? Listen, how about you and me stepping out tonight? Dine and dance. Give us a chance to know each other again, huh? What do you say? Oh, gee, Ken, I'd love it. Well, it'll do me a world of good, too. Can I really count on it, Ken? Tomorrow night without fail. I'm going to talk cold turkey to Barney Dexter tomorrow morning and win, lose, or draw, we've got a date tomorrow night. Okay, honey. Oh, thanks, Ken. Thanks, Ken. Sweetheart, are you kidding? Now, look here, Barney. I've given you Unimac roofing on the project throughout. With these specifications, you can't turn me down. Oh, I don't know, Ken. I'll have to think about it some more. Well, suppose I meet you for lunch today. I'd give you time enough? Nope. My secretary didn't come in this morning for some reason, so I'm way behind today. Say, I'll tell you what. Yeah? How about food, fun, and folly at the Chez Pierre tonight? Well, uh, fine. I, I can bring my wife, can't I? Your wife? Well, you, you see, I Oh, prom- Ken, let's have a little fun. <laughs> but I, I promised my wife I'd take her out tonight. I'd... I'd hate to just... Well, all right, all right. Maybe we'll have lunch next week, then. Next week? But Saturday morning's the deadline on bids for your project. That's right. Oh, well, well, I guess my wife would understand. Oh, sure she would if she's the right kind. Is it a date tonight? Yeah, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Have you got a friend? A witch? Call her a witch if you like, a secretary. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'll tell you, my secretary will certainly bewitch you. She'll bowl you over. But, uh, well... Sure, fine. I'll I'll bring my secretary. Great. The Chapier, nine o'clock. I'll make a reservation for four. If we were to take the compaction and stratification of the configuration oh. in confirmation with the angiography... Oh, oh, just a wee bit slower, please. It would represent a superstructure with splenspagastic multigraphanisms. Consequently, oh. I'll be unable to indulge in those arcolineal gratoscopics inasmuch as I'm taking Miss Blake to dinner I, tonight. I, uh... Oh, no. Well, why not? You survived lunch with me. Oh, but tell me, Mr. Dexter, how do you feel about your wife? Oh, I think the world of her. Well, I'm very glad you said that. I, uh, I just don't want to feel tied down. I like to be thought of as, uh, well, a <laughs> sort of ineligible bachelor. Oh, I see. Now, how about dinner tonight? Oh, please, not tonight. I, I have a very important engagement. Mm, I see. A big moment in your life, huh? Yes. Don't be annoyed. Well, I am. But I'll get over it. That'll be all now. Oh, thank you, Mr. Dexter. Oh, Miss Blake, about that letter I just dictated. Yes? Well, type it. (laughs) Hello? Oh, hello, Ken, dear. I hurried home from... I mean, I hurried to get dressed, and I'll be all ready when... Oh, Kenny. Oh, but you said that this time I could depend on it. No, I wouldn't want to interfere with your career at a time like this. You're so right. Of course, Kenny. Another time will do. Oh, no, I... I won't be lonesome. 
goodbye. No, I... I won't be lonesome. Hello? Will you ring Mr. Bernard Dexter, please? <laughs> moments, Frigid Air will bring you the second act of Daytime Wife, starring Linda Darnell and John Payne. Frigid Air, the name that's known best for keeping things cold, has an equally fine reputation for making things hot. Yes, when it comes to cooking and baking, you just can't beat the convenience, the economy, the cookbook accuracy of a Frigid Air electric range. Ask any woman who uses one and she'll tell you how true that is. This is the reputation Frigidaire engineers plan for when they set about designing the Frigidaire electric range in the first place. Frigidaire engineers designed it, but 7,550 women had a hand in approving it. For they were consulted about its appearance, its streamlined tabletop design. They wrote the specifications for its big, even heating oven, and they got the largest size that's made today. They wanted quick heating units, so Frigidaire invented its own radiant tube units that start heating as fast as you can wink your eye. They wanted a range that could be kept clean easily. So the Frigidaire electric range is gleaming white, heat-hardened porcelain inside and out, as easy to keep clean as a china dish. Frigidaire engineers, with the skill and resources to make as fine an electric range as there is in the world, combined their knowledge with the practical kitchen experience of 7,550 women in order to keep a standing promise to make better products for more people for less money. Remember this when you choose your new electric range. Remember, what's back of a product is as important as what you see. And then remember, you're twice as sure with two great names. For, Fri for Frigidaire is made only by General Motors. <laughs> now with delightful comedy, Daytime Wife, starring John Payne and Linda Darnell. John Payne soon may be seen in the 20th Century Fox Technicolor production of Wake Up and Dream. Now, act two of Daytime Wife. <laughs> Kenneth Norton has already arrived at the nightclub Chez Pierre with Kitty, his blonde secretary. As they wait for Barney Dexter to arrive with his secretary, Kenneth studies the contracts he hopes to get Dexter to sign. Kitty is fretting about Ken's inattention. Ken, it's after business hours. Forget that contract. Hmm? Oh, uh, have a drink, Kitty. I've had three already. Have one yourself. Uh, no, later. Uh... Well, then let's dance or something. Oh, thank goodness. Here comes Dexter and his girlfriend now. Oh, swell. Hi there, Kenny, old boy. Oh, hello, Barney. I'm glad to see you. <laughs> What's the matter, boy? Jane here? I told you she'd bowl you over. Uh, 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 Jane? Yes, like in Jane Eyre. Yeah, only it looks like Kenneth needs the air. <laughs> uh, oh, he's getting the air. <laughs> I want you to meet the loveliest, most charming, most delightful personal secretary in the world. Miss Jane Blake, Kenneth Norton. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Horton? How do you who? I mean, uh, who? How about putting in the word for me, Ken? Well, th this is... Uh, I want you to meet... Uh, to meet... Uh, to meet... Uh, to meet... Uh, Needle uh, gets stuck uh, every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> this is K Kitty Fraser. Well, let's not be formal now. She's Kitty. I'm Barney. This is Jane. You're Ken, and we're all good friends. And leave us be familiar but discreet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, perfume Kitty's wearing is very familiar. Foolish night, isn't it, Kitty? Uh-huh. You like? Oh, it's lovely. Oh, thanks. Ken gave it to me. <laughs> cigarette, cigarette. Anybody have a cigarette? Kitty, Kitty, uh, would you like a cigarette? Thanks, darling. Uh, shall we dance? What about the cigarette? Oh, I'm just fresh out. Uh, Dane, I mean Dexter. I mean Dexter. I got a cigarette. Yeah, what the devil's the matter with you, Ken? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I didn't give you anything yet. Oh, 
Oh, well, that's perfectly all right. I can do without. Th thanks, anyhow. What about me? I thought you were going to give oh, me... Oh, yeah, uh, you, you, yeah. It's our dance, isn't it? Uh, excuse me, Bonnie. Excuse me, Kitty. Uh, shall we dance, Miss Blake? Miss Blake? I mean, Miss Blake. Hey, this guy is nuts. Ken, how many drinks have you had? Huh? I, I never touched the stuff. Well, then we'd better all have a drink. Waiter, snips. Uh, snoop, snop! <laughs> Miss Blake! Love the girl, do you? May I have this dance? Oh, I'd love to dance. Will you excuse us? Oh, please? certainly. Hey, it's Ken often like this, Kitty. I think he's got termites. Now, what's all this with you and Dexter? People who live in glass houses shouldn't go fit. If you're referring to Kitty, this is strictly business. I have that contract right here in my pocket. Good luck, Kenneth. Are you his secretary? I've been his secretary for over a week now. Mm, am I going to tell him a thing or two? Oh! No, you're not. Oh, no. You wouldn't want him to think that you deliberately planted your wife in his office to give you a business advantage. Huh? Maybe to queer him with his wife and, uh, well, you know, blackmail. I will not stand by oh, and be... Oh, but there's nothing else you can do. Now, we're going back to the table and you're going to behave. See? Welcome back, folks. And look at the champagne Barney got for you. Fuel up, fellas. It's a long evening ahead. Uh... Barney, I've had a pretty tough day today. Would you mind if I left the party? I, I hate to be a bore. Bore? Why, you're the life of the party. Yes, you were a panic when I introduced Jane. <laughs> it was priceless. Oh, do be a honey boy, Mr. Gordon, and, and stay. I want to powder my nose. I'll join you. I'll... <laughs> oh. Yep, hurry back. Yes, indeed. I've had a feeling I ought to go out and come in again. Say, Ken, isn't my secretary terrific? Ever see such charge? Uh, Barney, uh, about that roofing proposition... Oh, you're tired. Let's not talk business. In fact, since you're so tired, when the girls come back, I'll suggest we go some other place. Then you say you'd rather run along. Then you'll be alone with your girl, and I'll be alone with mine. <laughs> Catch? Fine. Swell. Dandy. Welcome home, Miss Personal Secretary of 1946. Why, thank you so much, Barney, dear. Yes. Well, uh, look, girls, uh, why don't we go someplace where we can be far from the maddening crowd and stuff? Um, how about my penthouse? Oh, wonderful, Barney. Penthouse? Yes, you know. Suits me. Uh, you're not too tired, are you, Ken? Oh, who, me? <laughs> oh, let's go. Huh? I said, uh... Let's go. Step. What, Barney? Oh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> like Ken says, let's go. <laughs> oh, nice diggings Barney has up here, huh, Ken? Uh, uh, where'd they go? Oh, out on the terrace, I guess. Say, are you falling for that Jane Blake? I made this date for business. Fine, Jane. You haven't called me kitten all evening. Come on. Give me a chair. Sweep me off my feet. Hmm? Hey, hey! Don't do that! A fella can get you cold that way. Had a girl, Kitty, rope and time and brandy. Hmm? You look awfully cute with Kitty's smile on your face, Kenneth. Huh? Jumping Jupiter. I'll bet that's my wife. To the hills, women. Oh. <laughs> Kenneth. Kenneth, wipe that lipstick off your face. Get that contract out of your huh? pocket. Yeah, uh, start dickering oh. for dear life. Oh, Hurry, yeah, both sure. of you. Here it is. Uh, you, uh, you, uh, you start. Uh, me? Yeah, you. Yeah, me. Uh, <coughs> I, um, I like your specifications for the uh, Kansas City units, but uh, I, uh, I wonder if you've taken into consideration the weather conditions in Montreal. Well, you see... Bernard? Uh, oh, right in here, Mrs. Jackson. Hey, uh, you see, Ken. Uh, you see, old pal... Uh, Bernard! Uh, Mrs. Oh, hello, Cynthia. Have an orange. Uh, <laughs> you see, Ken, um, it's very dry in Kansas, whereas it's very wet in Montreal. Uh, however, just uh, let me skim through this clause once more, huh? Oh, you see, Mrs. Dexter, my husband has been trying to interest your husband in his roofing for some time. I'm interested in that other girl's roofing. Who is that blonde? Oh, Kitty, my husband's secretary, a perfect gem. Yeah, well, Ken, this looks just about okay. Uh, yeah, well, fine. Uh, my fountain pen, Barney, old kid. Uh, thanks. Assassin. Uh, <laughs> you can sign right here. Pie yeah. binder. Yeah. Well, there you are. It's a deal. Now, Cynthia, my dear, what can we do for you? 
Take Kitty home with me. It's so far to Flatbush and so late. Well, oh, I... Uh, it's awful sweet of you, Jane. I appreciate it. Night, Cam. Oh, night. Oh, uh, Mr. Norton, I hope you didn't mind my calling you my husband up there oh. in the emergency. It won't happen again. <laughs> Good night, Mr. Norton. thinking about this Kenneth Norton fellow. No use. He's married. He takes me out now and then. But he's crazy about his wife. <laughs> well, then, why does he go out with you? Oh, men are like that. They like variety. <laughs> Novelty. They're like baseball players. They have to try to get to first base, then second and third. But they realize there's no base like home. <laughs> oh, Daddy's married. He goes for you like Lassie goes for home. That's funny. I saw Blanche ring. Oh, go on to sleep, Kitty. I'll investigate. <laughs> Kenneth! I, I had to see you, Jane. Why did you pretend it was Blanche? Well, so you'd come to the door at least. Oh, imposter, bounder, you... You baseball player, you! <laughs> go home! Look, this is my home and you can't put me out. I'm coming in. I'll go to the OPA. I'll fight you to the last ditch. Good place for you, too. Jane, please believe me. I wanted to take you out tonight. How only you wanted that contract. Well, you got it. Well, thanks to you. Just goes to show you how much I need you. I'll always need you. I'll always love you, too, no matter what you decide to do. I was afraid you'd be through with me. I was afraid that you'd, you'd ditch me. That's why I pretended it was Blanche Baker at the door to get in. What is my name in the dead of night? Blanche? What is this, Jane? A lady's dormitory? Well... Gee, Kenny, she came over thinking I'd be all alone. She didn't know I'd bring Kitty home. Oh. Then you knew it wasn't Blanche at the door. Uh, 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 well, uh, I, I, uh, you knew it was me. You wanted me to come back. Well, well, sure, but I wanted you to want me as much as I wanted you. But, honey, I do, I do. I now pronounce you man and wife. <laughs> oh, Ken. Darling. Darling. Well, now that that's all settled, Kenneth, have you got a brother? Hey, break it up for a minute. Have you got a father? Oh, good night. And that was the ever-so-slightly-less-sexist-than-the-film version of Daytime Wife, starring the happily-legal Linda Darnell and John Payne. I hope you enjoyed that. By the way, if you want the full movie, then go to adderboyclarence.com because it is the current film club choice. So get on over there and watch it while you can. Well, before I go, I must make the obligatory plug for the newest episode of The Secret History of Hollywood, which is out now. Its name is The Black-Hearted, and it tells the story behind Val Luton's incredibly tense tale of murder and darkness, The Leopard Man, which I reviewed on this show all the way back when. I am extremely proud of it. It was a lot of work, but I should warn you before you hear it that it does contain some rather dark material and may well upset or distress listeners, so do proceed with caution. That said, I have to say, it has been downloaded in record numbers so far and has received the best reviews of this Val Luton series so far. People are really digging it, which makes me very happy, as it was an incredibly difficult show to make. I should also say that there will be plenty in the way of bonuses for patrons of this show in the coming weeks. August was a bonanza month in terms of patron rewards. I gave out a movie commentary for the James Cagney film The Roaring Twenties, the e-book of The Adventures of Alfred Hitchcock, bonus Attaboy shows and lots more. I'm currently working on more stuff for those of you who've signed up and that'll be coming in the next few days and weeks. 
So if you aren't signed up yet, it starts from as little as $1 a month. That's nothing. And it only takes a moment to do so. Listen on to the end of this show for instructions and thank you. It simply remains for me to wish you all a very happy farewell and a warm welcome back. I'll be returning in a couple of weeks with more reviews, more music, more classic movie glamour and goodness. And so until then, take extremely good care of yourselves. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and e-books, and every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.